The entire gospel rests upon the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If Jesus did not literally rise from the dead, then Christianity is dead. Is there true historical evidence for the resurrection of Jesus Christ? Stay tuned. The physical bodily resurrection is the most important fact in all history since the creation itself. This is Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a Creation Radio Journal. I'm Chris O'Brien for the Institute for Creation Research. Thanks for joining us on this special Easter edition of the Creation Radio Journal. Although much of the world is celebrating the resurrection of Christ this Easter, most don't actually believe that this event really took place. Is the resurrection historically accurate? Stay tuned for the next 15 minutes as we look at the historical evidence that Jesus is no longer in the tomb. Dr. Henry Morris is the founder of the Institute for Creation Research. He points out the significance of the resurrection. You know, the, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, the death of, of Christ, and then the physical bodily resurrection is the most important fact in all history since the creation itself. Dr. Thomas Kindle is the director of Reasons for Faith Ministries in Eagle Point, Oregon. The scripture in the book of Romans tells us that the resurrection was the one primary event, historical fact, that declared Christ to be the Son of God, meaning the unique Son of God, whom the scripture identifies as the actual person of the Trinity who did the actual creating. Uh, he is the creator, and the resurrection declared his credentials. So with creationism, traditionally we look at uh, the evidence in science and uh, thermodynamics and probability and the fossil record and things of that nature, and we deduce from this evidence that creation makes a whole lot more sense than uh, time, chance, and natural laws. They don't have the ability. It would take some kind of supreme, supernatural, intelligent power but with Christ, uh, this power reveals himself personally, puts a face on this great creator, uh, speaks to us face-to-face uh, -face at our own level, and tells us exactly who he is, why he created us, what he wants from us, what the problem is with uh, the fallen human race, and what the way is back home uh, through his death and resurrection. So the resurrection is the primary personal proof that there is a creator God. And without it, Christianity would be dead. Jim Stambaugh of the Michigan Theological Seminary. Yeah, there were a lot of people, all oh, back in the, the 1940s, 1950s, that said, well, it didn't really matter if Jesus rose from the dead, but as long as you thought he did. Paul says, if Christ didn't raise from the dead, our faith is in vain. It's empty, is the Greek word there. You know, it has no content to it. And so, you know, the fact that Christ did raise from the dead, it did prove who he said he was. He said that he was the Son of God. By his resurrection, he demonstrated that fact. Regardless of the significance of the resurrection, the question still remains. Is there evidence that Christ rose from the dead? According to Dr. Henry Morris. The fact is, it's not something that we have to just exercise blind faith to believe. It's based on solid, factual, historical evidence. There have been whole volumes written about it, many volumes written on the evidence for the resurrection. And the first evidence of the risen Christ was that of the empty tomb. Let me just read a brief portion from John chapter 20. When Peter and John went to the tomb, it says, Then cometh Simon Peter following John, and went into the sepulcher, and seeth the linen clothes lie, and the napkin that was about his head, not lying with the linen clothes, but wrapped together in a place by, the, by itself. 
And then went on also that other disciple which came first to the sepulcher, and he saw and believed. And why was this significant? The remarkable thing was, you see, that the grave clothes, a very heavy binding of cloth around Christ, uh, was still there on this shelf in the tomb where he had been laid, but the, uh, the, the clothes had just collapsed in on themselves. The only possible explanation of that was that the body which had been in the clothes had left it, and that meant the resurrection. And ever since the tomb was found to be empty, skeptics have found ways to explain it away. There have been various theories about it, various suggestions. Some said the disciples stole the body. Some said that Jesus didn't die. He just fainted and then came to again. Take, for instance, the idea that Jesus didn't really die on the cross. He just fainted. At the very least, he had suffered a loss of a tremendous amount of blood and was very weak and faint. And to think that he could remove all the linen clothes and then go out and remove the stone from the door and overpower the Roman guard that was around him and then go back to the disciples where he was just so faint, they, they couldn't possibly have said that that was a resurrection. And, of course, it didn't happen. He did die. This was very plain when the soldier pierced his side with the, with the sword and blood and water came out, it says. And what about the idea that the disciples went to the wrong tomb to find Jesus? This was the tomb that Joseph had built just for this purpose, and there was no other tomb anywhere near there. Couldn't possibly have gone to the wrong tomb. And the disciples weren't the only ones interested in the disappearance of Jesus' body. Very shortly, the disciples, believing that he had been raised from the dead, began to preach the resurrection. And many people were converted, and the Jews and the Romans tried every way they could to stop it, and all they would have had to do would be to produce the body. But they couldn't do that because the body was not available. It not only was not in the tomb, but it wasn't even on the earth anymore. He had ascended back to heaven. And so the empty tomb has never been answered, and the only explanation is that Jesus Christ did rise from the dead. In the Bible, we read that after Jesus rose from the dead, that he appeared to many people on several different occasions. But could this be true? It does say in the book of Acts, first, very first chapter of the book of Acts, that he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs. And we have at least 10 of these appearances recorded, probably many more. But let me just read a brief statement in the 15th chapter of 1 Corinthians written by the Apostle Paul. He says, I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he was seen of Cephas, or that is Peter, and then of the twelve, and after that he was seen of above five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain unto this present, although some are fallen asleep. And after that he was seen of James, and of all the apostles, and last of all he was seen of me also. How are these accounts explained away by the skeptics? According to Dr. Morris, people have tried to get away from that by saying, well, there's a lot of contradictions in these stories. Matthew and Mark and Luke and John all have different stories about it, and they contradict each other. Does the fact that there are apparent contradictions disprove the resurrection? That in, ex in itself is a, is a proof that they were not conspiring with the theory. They didn't make it up because they all saw it from a different perspective and reported what they knew and what they saw. And there seem to be some contradictions uh, on, at first glance, but when you look at them more closely, they all work together beautifully. And there are no real contradictions, but there are superficial contradictions, and this in itself is a proof that there was no collusion involved. Another evidence that Christ rose from the dead is the change in the disciples' lives. You see, when the tomb was first found empty, many of Jesus' followers didn't believe it to be true. And then uh, immediately, once they became convinced, then their lives were completely changed. They were no longer afraid for their own lives. As a matter of fact, they went out and preached so strongly. It says, for example, in the book of Acts. This is in the fourth chapter. Let me read this verse. 
says, With great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. And many were converted through their preaching. And not only the uh, disciples who were preaching, but many of their converts began to suffer. They, they suffered the loss of their possessions and were beaten and tortured, many of them put to death. In fact, all the apostles, all 12 of them, with the exception of John, finally gave their lives for what they were preaching. And many others did too. According to Jim Stambaugh, that included two men by the names of James and Jude. Now, one of his brothers by the name of James and the other one by the name of Jude, you know, who wrote two books of our New Testament, you know, these people were some of the crowd who in Nazareth, in Luke 11, wanted to throw Jesus off the brow of the hill. But after the resurrection, these two men had changed lives. And it's interesting that as a person looks at what could have possibly have caused these two people who knew Jesus well, who grew up with Jesus, to go from doubters to believers, is that they were probably confronted by the resurrected Christ himself. And someone else changed by the resurrection was Peter. You know, we can see in Peter, uh, just after uh, the crucifixion, he's all by himself. And yet this man who was timid, who denied Christ three times, just a little while later, stands up about, oh, 50 days after this event, and then triumphantly preaches the Christ who you crucified, God raised him from the dead. And at that point, you know, 3,000 people make, the, uh, make it down to the altar, the altar call. Yet another person whose life was radically changed was Paul. People say, well, you know, Paul, who was this persecutor of the church, had a face-to-face -face encounter with the resurrected Christ. He then became a believer who at one time was persecuting the church, he was now preaching the cross of Christ and the resurrected Christ. It's obvious that many of Jesus' followers had a radical change in their life as a result of the resurrection. And, as Dr. Morris pointed out earlier, many held to their claims about the resurrection in the face of persecution, even to the point of death. And that fact gives even stronger evidence to the resurrection. Dr. Morris explains. They suffered the loss of their possessions and were beaten and tortured, many of them put to death. In fact, all the apostles, all 12 of them, with the exception of John, finally gave their lives for what they were preaching. And many others did too. And they had every reason to examine the evidence. If, they, if there was any weakness in the evidence, they wouldn't have suffered like that and been willing to die. People sometimes are willing to die for a cause that is, is wrong, like say communism or something. But not if they don't believe it. Nobody will ever suffer and die for something he knows to be false. That just simply doesn't happen in human nature. Dr. John Morris, the president of the Institute for Creation Research. The point is, the resurrection really happened. Now, other religions, they have their legends, but only Christianity has such abundant evidence of its truthfulness. But let's put it in a larger context. The Bible identifies Jesus Christ as the creator of the universe. He was holy, sinless. He was the creator of life. In the beginning, God created all things, and he declared them all to be very good, and he made man in his own image. Now, as creator, he had the authority to establish the proper standard for living for mankind. But the creation, mankind, rejected that standard. They rebelled against him. Now, rebellion against the creator, that's sin, and sin has its penalty. And all creation came under the penalty for sin, which is death. And now we find that the creation was unable to help itself under this penalty for sin. And so, the Creator, in His love and His grace, the Creator Himself came to die to pay sin's penalty. The wages of sin is death, 
Christ died for our sins. Dr. Kindle. To the person living today, the greatest enemy that man has is what the Scripture calls the last enemy that God will destroy, the enemy of death. And when you think about it, if you don't have something beyond the grave, you have nothing at all. If you had the greatest life, the greatest health, wealth, prosperity, the greatest fame and fortune the world had to offer, when you die, you lose it all. And if there's no life after death, you will not even have a memory of what you had. Life has no meaning. It has no purpose if there is no destiny beyond the grave. And the beauty of the resurrection is that Christ, as our forerunner, as the first fruits, has said, I have faced death and defeated it, and there is eternal life beyond the grave with me. If you'll accept my sacrifice, you can have the eternal destiny for which you were created. Life has beautiful meaning if you have life beyond death. As our program comes to a close, we hope that you've been encouraged. It's our desire at ICR to show that the Bible can be trusted, both historically and scientifically, and to give facts that will build your faith. As Christians, we need to understand the scientific basis for our beliefs. We pray that this program will aid you in your discovery of science and the Bible. You know, most people aren't aware that today there are thousands of scientists that are convinced of the truth of biblical creation and not evolution. Our non-denominational ministry aims to restore and strengthen the Genesis foundations of the Christian faith. If you've enjoyed today's edition of Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a Creation Radio Journal, why not visit us on the web to find out more about the work of ICR. The address is www.icr.org. Again, www.icr.org. Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a Creation Radio Journal, is a production of ICR. For the Institute for Creation Research, I'm Chris O'Brien. Thanks for tuning in.